Hi, Grace. Uh, it's good to it's good to be here, and it's it's such an honor uh, to share this with you. Share this opportunity of of looking at God's word and hearing from from the Spirit what God might be wanting to do in our lives. Uh, and and I I consider it a real gift. I consider you. I consider this community um, a a real a real gift, and, and I, miss, I miss you dearly. Anytime I have an opportunity uh, to, to see somebody, and, and often it's usually unplanned and being out um, either driving around or like even this morning coming in here, um, I saw a friend through the car, and I'm, and, and I'm thinking, I, have not, I haven't actually seen you in, in so long, and it, it just creates a longing. So I feel that way um, about, about all of you, about this church, about this community, and long to be together. Um, I, I suppose before we get into um, the word this morning and what we're going to be talking about, what I'd love to do is to create some, some sense of space uh, to, uh, to, to, I guess, sit um, in a posture of, of wanting to receive um, from God and what he has. Uh, I, I feel like this, there's this, this constant um, frenzy around us, and things seem so loud, and things seem so immediate and urgent that um, I'm not even aware often how I'm operating out of that until I respond a certain way, um, usually at home, and then I think, where did that come from? Why? And it's just this sense of being at capacity in almost every, every area of life. I would assume and imagine that you're in the same place. Uh, so what I would like to do is, is to encourage you to, um, to trust that, that God has something for us as a community, that God has something for you. Um, so I would like to pray for this morning um, before I, I go into praying. I'm going to leave the moment of of pause and quiet, perhaps for you to, um, to just ask the Spirit of God to quiet your heart, to quiet your mind. So let's pray together. Lord God, we do ask that you, that you would speak to us and that you would calm our hearts and our minds. Sometimes the silence is frightening because then it makes us aware of, of all that really is going on and often underneath and what we're living out of. And so I pray that you would quiet that. And I pray that you would give us this sense of, of anticipation of this desire to receive. I pray that you would calm us. Um, I do pray for your peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that, not in a way that, that is, seems um, like a denial of what's going on, because uh, there's so much going on. There are so many ways, God, we want to see you work and heal and restore and bring together and, and, and truly bring restoration and reconciliation. There are so many things, God, that need your attention and need your work. Um, but, and I, but I pray in this moment, in this space, that we might trust that you are the God who is at work. 
and that in that trust we, we might have peace in the midst of all that needs to be done and all the things that seem like they're before us in this space of being at capacity and completely overrun and like we have no more margin. I pray that even in that space that you might have a word, that, that we might have an encounter with you, that we might feel refreshed and even a glimpse or a taste of feeling restored. God, I believe that, that you want that for us. Um, and so I ask that, that you would do it, but I ask that you would help us have that sense of desire and that posture of dependence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I already mentioned it before, but this week we're going to begin a series in hospitality. This, like exploring, discovering the theme of hospitality. And, and I wonder what comes to mind for you when that word is said, hospitality. Uh, I, I bet for some there's this sense of, of dinner parties, of having people in your home, of laughing and, and smiles, and perhaps it's, it's on a small scale. For some it might be on a large scale. Then for others, that word hospitality kind of produces some anxiety. I mean, for the introverts among us, can I get an amen? There's this sense of, oh, um, opening our lives uh, to, to people or to groups, um, that sounds in some ways terrifying or perhaps exhausting, especially um, during this season. But we're going to be talking about hospitality. We're going to be talking about hospitality in kingdom terms, that this sense of hospitality has more um, to do with, with fostering and cultivating and nurturing a, a posture of openness and a posture of welcome to the other and to the stranger. Now, Henry Nouwen, uh, a person who has impacted my life through his, honestly, his writing and also his example of what I've read of his life, he says this about hospitality in his book, Reaching Out. He says, at first, the word hospitality might evoke the image of a soft, sweet kindness. Tea parties, bland conversations, and a general atmosphere of coziness. Probably this has its good reasons, since in our culture the concept of hospitality has lost much of its power, and is often used in circles where we are more prone to accept a watered-down piety than a serious search for an authentic Christian spirituality. But still, if there is any concept worth restoring to its original depth and evocative potential, it is the concept of hospitality. See, Nouwen goes on to suggest that, that Christians, in, in their imagination, have lost the robust sense of what hospitality, what this posture of welcome and openness actually is. And, he go, and this book was written many years ago. And he goes on to describe that we live in a world of, of isolation, of loneliness, of hostility, of, of estrangement, and that as a result of living in that world, we, lost, we have lost this sense of what it means to be open to others, but that Christians are called to offer an open and hospitable space where strangers can cast off their strangeness, live without fear, find belonging in community, and become our fellow human beings. 
So for now, in this sense of Christian hospitality, is this sense where strangers are becoming friends. Then in a world marked by loneliness and isolation and hostility and estrangement, that this being open and welcome to strangers actually creates an environment that is without fear and where community can actually happen and be produced and be cultivated and nurtured. And so that is one of the reasons why we're going to be exploring this theme and this idea. And we're not going to be talking about it in terms necessarily of, of dinner parties or of tea parties um, or even in, in this, I think he says, this soft, sweet kindness, though it includes eating, of course, and it includes being with people around a table. But what we're really getting at um, through this series, through this journey, is cultivating and having the Spirit cultivate within us our heart and mind that makes space for the other and for the stranger. Now, there's a film called The Visitor, uh, written and directed by Tom McCarthy. And I know I've, I've mentioned this film before, but when I think about what it looks like and the potential of, of opening our lives and being welcoming of others, uh, I, don't, I know of, of few films that represent what can happen um, better than The Visitor. So The Visitor, uh, it, it's about a character named Walter, played by Richard Jenkins, and he's a professor whose life you could tell at the beginning, as a result of, of having um, lost his wife, uh, he's, he's going through the motions. He, he doesn't really care about others. His emotional depth uh, seems very, very shallow. Uh, there's a scene at the beginning where a student comes in um, to talk about a paper and, and why he was given a bad grade and why it was late because he, he had issues in his own life. Uh, Walter, he, he has no care for what is going on in this student's life. It doesn't matter to him, and, and he has no time for it. But through the course of this film, what actually happens is he, he leaves um, his school for a time, he takes a sabbatical, he goes to an apartment that he has in New York, and he walks in, and it turns out that that apartment has been um, illegally subletted to a couple, an immigrant Muslim couple. And he over the course of the film, opens his life and his space um, and his house uh, to these strangers, and they become friends. But not only do they become friends, Walter's life actually begins to change. It becomes to be reformed and reshaped as a result of this, of this welcome and this openness. He actually begins to experience life in a more rich in deeper way. He begins to care about things that he'd never cared about before. And the film continues to go, and we see that something begins to happen to these strangers who have now become friends, and he finds himself part of this story fighting against this system that is wanting his friends uh, to be, to be uh, deported, to be removed from the country. And he is, he's finding himself wanting to fight against this. Things he didn't care about, he began to care about because he let himself be open and welcoming to these strangers who then become friends. Now, when we think about this idea of hospitality, when we think about this idea of making room for the other and for the stranger, um, I think that's a good picture of the potential 
impossibility of what happens when we become a people who are concerned and desiring of being open to the other and to the stranger. Our lives and our worlds become reshaped and they become changed and we begin to discover greater depths of our own lives. Um, so this morning, uh, this sermon is really an invitation, an invitation to the next eight weeks. That's how long this, this series is going to be. And this morning, I want to talk about why this topic. I want to talk about why now, and then I want to offer some, some, some things to do. Like, what are, what are some, some practices and habits that we might be able to cultivate over the next eight weeks? So first, why the topic? And very fundamentally, here's why we're talking about hospitality. Because it's God's heart. It is God's heart. God is a God who is welcoming, who is open. He is a God who loves strangers. Now, if you think about the text that you heard read this morning in Deuteronomy 10, it says this in verse 16. Circumcise then the foreskin of your heart, yikes, and do not be stubborn any longer. Circumcise then the foreskin of your heart, the sense of consecrate your heart. Set it apart for me, the Lord. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, him alone you shall worship, to him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. So this idea of, of hospitality, of opening one's life of being, uh, to, to the other, to the stranger, of having a posture of welcome, th this is important because it's God's heart, because God himself loves the stranger, because God himself is for the stranger and for the other of which we were at one time. So it is important, it matters, because it is at the very heart of God. And once, you, once this, this kind of connects, it's actually hard to think about the biblical narrative without this as a fundamental component of who God is and what he's like. And we're going to explore this more starting next week. But just a little bit now, we see that God is a God who makes space for the other and for the stranger. We think about creation. This God who is making space and is actually creating others for whom can share this space with God. We see that God is one who welcomes, who invites, and who includes we see this in the people of Israel, that God is, is, is inviting and including people, all creation, but really a people to participate in what God is doing. This not only includes Israel, but that, as the story continues, we see that this is opened up to Gentiles, to disciples who follow Jesus, to the church, that God is a God who welcomes, invites, and includes. We also see that, that at, this, at, at the heart of God is, is a God who is a host, and who serves. There's always stories in scripture of God providing and feeding and serving his people. We also see that included in this idea of welcome and openness, that God is also one who receives, that he's also one who puts himself in a position 
of receiving from others. He came to us in the person of Jesus. He became one who is vulnerable and needy. He also receives in the way that he invites our prayers to be participants with God in our prayers. See, the God of Scripture is a God who loves strangers. The God of the Bible is a God who makes room and makes space for others. And it's where these others, where these strangers, where you and I find a home and belonging and a refuge. See, hospitality matters, and it's so important, and it's way beyond just opening your home for a meal. It's, it's an actual orientation toward a person, another person, toward people. It also matters because as we see God coming to us in Jesus, that this is what Jesus was like. We see that Jesus was concerned with standing in the right place. We see who Jesus was with, that he had community, that he had friends, that he not only had friends, but he extended himself beyond to those who were sick and needy and broken, and he showed them compassion, and he showed them care, and he healed, and he brought them into relationship and into restored, restored life. That's who Jesus was. Hospitality matters because it's, it's part of what it means to follow the example of Jesus. It's, it's part of what it means to be a Christian. In Romans 12, verses 9 through 13, it says this, Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Another verse, a couple verses in Hebrews. Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 2. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Now, this Hebrews passage is a reference, actually, to, um, to Abraham and Sarah when they opened their lives to strangers, and it was through that opening of, of their lives to strangers that they discovered that they were going to have um, a child named Isaac. But it's through their act of hospitality that they actually ended up entertaining, uh, entertaining angels, as it were. Now, what's interesting about these two verses in Romans and Hebrews, this, this word hospitality, uh, it's the Greek word um, philoxenia. Philoxenia. Now, it's a combination of two words, which is xenos, which means stranger, and then um, philos, which means loving. So hospitality, it means loving strangers. Now, this is the opposite of xenophobia. Xenos being stranger, phobia being fear, which is a fear of strangers. So what, what it means to be Christian is to love the stranger, to be open to the stranger. And what's fascinating about these two verses is that it's both, there's a connection between talking about the love that is shared within brothers and sisters of the faith, 
and also that love needing to be extended beyond itself. So in Romans, let love be genuine, and he's talking about this community, but then it says, do not neglect at the end in verse 2 to show hospitality, um, or it says, extend hospitality to strangers. In Hebrews 13, same thing, let mutual love continue, and then do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So this idea of, of hospitality, it connects with this mutual love and affection that brothers and sisters in Christ share that is to be then extended, that both are necessary, and that both find their connection in who God is, the God who is loving, who is welcoming, who is open, and who includes the stranger, the orphan, the widow, the needy, the poor, the oppressed. What it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, is to live into God's welcome and extend that welcome beyond. See, the early church actually took this seriously, and it's one of the reasons why the church um, exploded. There were, there were some pandemics uh, early on in the church's history, and it was the Christians who were there on the ground, the ones who were like first responders taking care of the sick. So much so that those who were in, in the empire looking on were almost embarrassed at their lack of response. But it was as a result of this hospitality, of this loving the stranger, that Christianity actually took off. They weren't simply concerned about themselves and their own community but it, that love needed to be extended outside of itself to those who were in need. So that's why the topic, because it's at the very heart of God. And if we have been brought into the story that God is telling, then we are to bear witness to who God is and what he's like. So because God is welcoming and open and loves the stranger, the other. We too, as his people, are to bear witness to that, to extend the love that we've received, that we have with one another, beyond to the stranger and to the other. But why now? Why this topic now um, for us as a church? Because it's odd, I think, to talk about a posture of openness and welcome to the stranger and to others in the middle of a pandemic when we've actually been asked to, um, to minimize our, uh, our circles. And, and so why talk about something we can't really enact? Well, to be honest, because I, I really do sense that God has been up to something in this area. Uh, for our church, but also within me. I, going through the Gospel of Matthew was, was a challenge, but a beautiful challenge. I, I, I feel as if the Spirit of God has awakened me, um, and perhaps some of us, uh, some of you, um, to, to truly wanting to follow Jesus where he's leading. And I have a confession to make which feels really odd to talk about hospitality, and then the confession is, I don't feel good at it. And I, I, I not, it's not even that I don't feel good at it. I actually don't think it's been a primary posture in my life. This sense of being open and welcome to the other or to the stranger, people who are different than me, people who look different, think different um, than I do, uh, I don't think 
that's necessarily marked my life and has been a cause for repentance and for openness and for a desire to follow Jesus in this way of having a life that is open, that is, that is welcoming of the stranger, of the other. And so that's why now, and I can't help but connect this to what has been happening, what has been happening in our world over the last six to seven months. Yes, certainly COVID uh, and, and all that it's kind of been revealing about how life is lived or even how, how I think and how I experience the world. But then on, included in that is, is the, the racial upheaval and unrest and injustice that, just, that is right before us that we cannot deny and that we cannot look past and that we need to wrestle with and deal with. And this has, has um, what's the word? I just sense that there is something for us here. I sense that there is something that Christ is calling us into and he is inviting us into and that I, I, I want to be faithful. I want us as a church to be faithful to that, to be open to what that might be. And here's what's so odd and confusing is there's this sense that I, that I have, that I, that I feel the Spirit's work um, in my own life personally, and yet I'm not yet sure what the next right step of obedience is. And, and so perhaps you feel similarly. You sense that God has been up to something, that he's moving, that he's working, and yet you're not sure what the next thing is to do. So what does it mean to be a community who, who truly is welcoming and open to the stranger and to the other? What does it mean to be um, a community of Christ followers who, who pursue and seek after justice in the way that God desires and wants? What does that mean? What does that look like? So I suppose these next eight weeks, what I'm asking of you, what I'm inviting you into, is, is inviting you to, to it, with me to discover what that might mean and what shape that might take. I wish I, wish I could tell you uh, this is exactly what it looks like. I wish I could say, here's where we're going now. What I have is, is, a, is a desire. What I have is certainly the Spirit working, convicting, challenging me, and I don't want to miss it, and I don't want us to miss it. And so let's discover together what God has for us. Because he has something for us in this. And I think he's always had something for us, and he's always been working, but this is one of those areas that I think, that I just, I feel like there's, there's, it's been highlighted as a place where God can work. And so then what to do? So if we know that this matters because it's God's heart, and the reason we're going to talk about it and, and explore it now is because we, I feel and sense it's an act of obedience and faithfulness, then what are some things we can do? Well, here's what I want to be clear about. What I want to be clear about is that this is a work of God and a work of the Spirit, working in our hearts and in our minds and our lives to develop and cultivate a posture that is welcoming and open to the other and to the stranger. Now again, 
I want to be clear about this. The other and the stranger could very well mean people in this community. I think we're at a time now where Christians are becoming more and more strangers to each other. So I think it includes that. This becomes the, the training ground, per se, of, what it, of how we nurture and cultivate love so that it can be extended. So I think it, it, it's part, it, this, you, me, us together, it's part of it. But it's also not all of it. That as we live into God's welcome, we are both welcoming one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But what God, I think, is calling us to is, is to cultivate and nurture that love so it can be extended beyond outward so that we find ourselves with the stranger with the other on the margins bearing witness to the extravagant love and welcome of God who has revealed himself in Jesus so what I'm inviting you to do at least now is I'm inviting you to to engage in two practices all the way through these eight weeks Two practices through these eight weeks. Because as we're cultivating and nurturing this posture, as the Spirit is doing that within us, that we're going to discover, I'm going to discover, that the world is operating contrary to it. We live at a time when we are wanting, when isolation, loneliness is an epidemic, um, as scientists, psychologists argue. We live at a time when individualism and, and being individualistic is what we're taught and discipled by culture to be and to do. So there are so many things working against nurturing and cultivating this type of, of heart and mind that makes space for the stranger. And that's why the Spirit of God needs to work. That's why the Spirit of God needs to engage our imaginations and reform and reshape our very heart our very mind to think differently. So the two practices I'm, I'm going to encourage you to do, and I'm going to tease these out a bit, but I'll name them both right now. The first practice is to, is to depend on Christ's presence through his spirit in prayer. Depend on Christ's presence through his spirit in prayer. The second practice is to listen for Christ's invitation through God's word. So to make those really succinct, the first one is, is to, be, to be in a posture of prayer, and the second one is, is to engage God's word. And let me tease those out a little bit. Because this requires a real work of God to produce within us a heart and mind that makes space for the stranger, we need God to do it. And part of that means being dependent upon God. And it means to take this up in our prayer lives before God. This idea of being welcoming and open to the stranger. Taking up this theme of hospitality before God. And so here are four things I'd love for you to pray for. First is to ask that God would awaken your heart and mind. Awaken it asks that God would awaken your heart and mind to his welcome of the other and the stranger, which includes you. So ask that God would awaken your heart and mind. Second, ask that God would cultivate within your heart and mind a posture of openness, of attentiveness, and of welcome toward the stranger. 
Thirdly, ask that God would reveal the ways you and we can make space in our lives for the stranger. Also revealing what gets in the way so that we can repent. And lastly, ask that God does these things in our church family in order that we would faithfully and creatively live into God's welcome and extend God's welcome in Long Beach. So these, these specific ways to pray that I'm encouraging, inviting you to pray with me, um, they, will, they will be given to you in various ways. In social media, we want to make these um, as it's in front of us. So these four ways to pray, this isn't the only time I'm going to mention them, but it, I just wanted to tease them out as, as this, it, again, it begins with God and his spirit at work in our lives. The second is to listen for Christ's invitation through God's word. So we need to be dependent upon Christ and his spirit to shape and form us. But we also need to be, to be engaging the word, engaging God's word, and discovering Christ in God's word so that our imaginations, how we're thinking, how we're understanding the world, that that would be different. And so I'm going to encourage you and invite you into a practice where you are going to read one passage each week. So for seven days, you'll read one passage, and then the next week, you'll read another passage. And I'm encouraging you to read this daily, over and over and over again. There's this, um, this, this practice, ancient practice, called Lectio Divina, spiritual reading, which is this, this sense of, of trying to turn over a passage or a verse in your mind and really allowing space for the Spirit of God to speak and to encourage and to challenge through that turning and through that praying um, of the Scripture. So you're going to read one passage each week. Read it every day, listen to it, read it more than once, read it in a different translation. Again, it's about turning it around in your mind. But as you read, um, I, I would encourage you to do four things. First is to read and ask. Read and ask what stands out to you, captures your imagination. Like what's grabbing hold of you in this text? Secondly, reflect and wonder. What comes to mind as you reflect on the passage? What ideas, what thoughts, what, what um, challenges, what confusions uh, do you have in response to the passage that you've been thinking about reading and reflecting on? Thirdly, then, respond in prayer. Talk with God about those things. Talk with God about potential insights or your thoughts or your convictions or your confusions in regard to that passage. Turn the scripture into a prayer asking that God would do the work in you that you are discovering in that passage. And then finally, pause and discern. So as you go through that, pause and discern, what, what, what might God be saying? What, he, what is he bringing up? What is he um, calling you into? And be discerning of that. Take it up in conversations with others. Those are two practices to begin now. And I think over time, there will be more practices perhaps that we discover together of, what it, of how to cultivate a life that's creating space and making room for the stranger. But those are two places to begin, to pray and to engage God's word. And you might be thinking, well, that's not enough. And to that I say, yeah, I think that's probably right. But we need the spirit of God to work in our lives, to convict, 
to draw us out, to challenge, to encourage. He needs to be doing the work in our lives. Now, I want to end with a story um, from Gregory Boyle, who's founder, president of Homeboy Industries, which is a, a really a, a ministry helping people in gangs to find themselves um, or find ways out of their life in gangs. And he, turned, he tells this story about, about this man named Louis, who was a drug dealer, then who ended up using, and, and then found himself um, needing to go to rehab and, and connected to Gregory Boyle. And Gregory Boyle helps him get into a rehab center. And, and it's while he's there, Louis's brother uh, takes his own life. And so Gregory Boyle uh, is, is taking Louis to um, the funeral. And Louis tells this story. He says, well, Gregory Boyle, he says, when I arrive at the rehab center, Louis greets me with a hug, and once in the car, he launches in. I had a dream last night, and you were in it. In the dream, Louis says, the two, the two of us are in a darkened room, no lights whatsoever, no illuminated exit signs, no light creeping from under the door, total darkness. We're not speaking, but he knows I'm in the room with him. Then, silently, I pull a flashlight from my pocket and aim steadily on the light switch across the room. Louis tells me that he knows that only he can turn the light switch on. He expresses his gratitude that I happen to have a flashlight. And then with great trepidation, Louis moves slowly toward the light switch, following closely the guiding beam of light. He takes a deep breath, flips the switch on, and the room is flooded with light. And as he tells me this, he begins sobbing, and the light, he says, is better than the darkness, as though he had not known this was the case. And then Gregory Boyle says this after telling the story. We cannot turn the light switch on for anyone, but we all own flashlights. With any luck, on any given day, we know where to aim them for each other. We do not rescue anyone at the margins, but go figure if we stand at the margins, we're all rescued. No mistake about it. So that image of the flashlight and of helping one another, helping the world find the light switch, perhaps as, we, as God, through his spirit, cultivates within us a heart and a desire to cultivate mutual love that extends beyond to welcome and openness to the stranger, perhaps we can be a community with a that is like a flashlight helping the world find the light switch. And so would you join me in discovering what creating space and what making room looks like and entails for us as a people, Grace Long Beach, for you, for me. My prayer as we go through these next eight weeks is that, that we discover just how welcoming God is and just how welcomed we have been and then the incredible gift and opportunity we have to extend that welcome to others. Thanks be to God.